Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast today as we continue our adventure in the Gospel according to St. Mark. What we've been doing in these broadcasts is encouraging you to read aloud in your families on Sunday the same gospel passage that you heard in Mass. And the idea is to connect the church and the domestic church, the parish and your family, and unite it by sharing this gospel, which this church year is being shared by the entire Catholic Church. Now, what I've done in these last couple of broadcasts and what I want to do today is to highlight some things in the Gospel of Mark that may not get an adequate emphasis, either in our reading and maybe even what you may hear in your parish. And so I've been trying to emphasize some of these things that we really need to keep in our focus and that you want to share with your children, share with your family, and as well as yourself to be properly informed and transformed by this gospel. Now, what I would like to look at today are the healings in the gospel of Mark. Healing is mentioned 15 times in the gospel of Mark. There's only 16 chapters. 14 of those times are healings by Jesus. The 15th is a little unique. If we have adequate time today, I want to get to that. But one scholar has estimated that the Gospel of Mark reserves the largest percentage of anything in the Gospel to healings. Practically 31% of the Gospel of St. Mark is given to healing. And just think of yourself. I mean, if you've been a Catholic all your life, let's just say you are, and every third year, in your parish, you've heard the Gospel of Mark read and preached on. Are the healings in Mark occupying 31% of your thinking for that whole church year? Or could it be we've allowed something to kind of pass out of our consciousness? And I'm actually speaking first person as well, because you start reading these Oh, and, you know, maybe hit and miss, and you just don't pay attention to it. So what I would like for you to do this year is just keep that antenna up. So when you hear another passage read during Mass, and as you read it again with your family, we want to think about Jesus's emphasis on healing in the Gospel of Mark. What is happening is that in the gospel, it's an announcement, a royal announcement that the great king and his kingdom— not just coming at the end of time, we do believe that in the second coming, but is also breaking in in the midst of time, and that's what these healings demonstrate. So what I would like to do today is to simply give you a concentrated dose of healings in the Gospel of St. Mark. And it doesn't take very long because we start in the first chapter verse 31, the first healing, it takes place in Simon's house. That's Simon Peter's house. It says in verse 31, and he, Jesus, 
came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, that's Peter's mother-in-law, and the fever left her. Now, this is just a really big hint. Question of the day. Where is Peter's house today? In other words, if you're trying to apply the scripture, where would Peter's house be today? Well, the other name for Peter's house today is the Catholic Church. The successor of St. Peter, the Pope, and the Catholic Church is the great household of God. And if Jesus was healing in the first century in Peter's house, I'll just leave it with a question. Will he heal in Peter's house today? Now, that was chapter 1, verse 31, and we find Peter's mother-in-law, after she was healed, uh, got up and served them a meal. And then we have, in verse 32, what I call after-dinner healings. That evening at sundown, it says, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered together about the door. You know, there's this thing called the new evangelism that a lot of people are talking about. Have you heard an emphasis on Jesus's power to heal as part of the new evangelization? I'm sure somebody's doing it somewhere. I'm just saying myself, I haven't heard much trying to put this. And we try so hard to gather people in through evangelization. It seems Jesus' power to heal certainly did it because the whole city was gathered about the door and he healed many who were sick with various diseases. So that's two healings. We're not even out of the first chapter of St. Mark. And we have a third healing in the first chapter, the healing of a leper. A leper came to him, beseeching him, Kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus, moved with pity, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. This was the uh, sickness that just didn't go away. This was the sickness that was so contagious, the leper had to go through town yelling out, unclean, unclean, and everybody had to clear out the way. And Jesus comes and says, I will your healing, and touched the leper, and the leper was cleansed. Turn the chapter to Mark chapter 2. This is the story. It's a lot of times in children's Bibles, but may I remind you, Mom and Dad, it's in our Bibles too, not just children's Bible stories. This is the healing of the paralytic, and he was let down through the roof because there were so many people gathered around Jesus, and it says in Mark chapter 2 and verse 5, Jesus saw their faith. In other words, maybe even the man who needed the healing was lacking in faith, but Jesus perceived his friends who were so intent on getting this man near Jesus to let him down, he saw their faith. And Jesus said, I say to you, rise, take up your pallet and go home. And he rose, immediately took up the pallet and went out before them all. Now, listen to this, because, you know, you just read over this and you just sometimes a little numb to the shock of Jesus. It says, so they were all 
amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Do you get that? Do you get the immediate sense that Jesus was really breaking through sin, sickness, disease, and all of these things that are basically outgrowths of sin in our world because the kingdom was breaking through. We turn the chapter again to Mark chapter 3, and Jesus heals on the Sabbath. He entered the synagogue and a man who was there with a withered hand. And of course, a lot of the legalists uh, didn't want to see healing on the Sabbath. That was like work, but it's never wrong to extend mercy on the Sabbath if you're Jewish or the Lord's Day if you're a Christian. So Jesus simply said to the man, come here. And he asked him, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? And they didn't say anything. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Now, we're still in chapter 3, and we have another healing. Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 7, a great multitude from Galilee followed, also from Judea, in other words, the whole region, as well as Jerusalem, and from beyond the Jordan, and from about Tyre and Sidon. This would be like your whole state is showing up because Jesus is healing. And again, I kind of ask that question. We try all these programs or media strategies, and obviously I believe in media strategies. I'm talking to you through Catholic media. But there's another aspect to the gospel, and that's the proclamation that Jesus is a great king, and his kingdom is breaking into this world, and you have people from all over the place, a great multitude following him. And again, I think this is worth, as we consider St. Mark this year, as well as the new evangelization, to maybe put these two things together and actually fuse them in our minds. So he was kind of uh, in a dangerous situation because there were so many people, Jesus was concerned he was going to be crushed because he had healed so many, so that all who had diseases pressed upon him to touch him. There is something to be said for the power of God demonstrated in Jesus's healing ministry. And now for our unique one, Mark chapter 5, the woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. Mark 5, and there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians. She went from doctor to doctor and had spent all she had. I guess things, some things don't change. Medical care was expensive back then. It's expensive today, but she was no better, but rather grew worse. Spent everything she had, 12 years, going from doctor to doctor. But she had heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. And immediately the hemorrhage ceased. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. 
people were shocked by Jesus. Unfortunately, I think over time and maybe familiarity and maybe we're just not paying attention enough in mass, but these things should shock us too. Jesus had this uncanny ability to heal. And we should start asking our, ourselves questions like, we've, we've never heard anything like this from any other human being. That's because Jesus was so unique. And then the tender one in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, the healing of Jairus' little daughter. She was at the point of death. And when Jesus was going to heal her, he just said to the crowd, uh, the little girl is not dead, she's just sleeping. And that's kind of a euphemism, uh, sleep, a Christian euphemism for death that awaits a resurrection, the death that awaits a new life. And he was showing people through this little girl what would happen in the future, but he was going to bring her back to life, basically. She was dead. They said, don't bother Jesus any longer. And when Jesus said, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. In other words, she's just awaiting the voice of her creator and redeemer. And you know what the reaction was? They laughed at him. There were people who would be laughing at Jesus today if he was walking around in our midst. Even if he was coming in to heal someone, in this case, someone who had died, they would laugh at him today too. But he just spoke the word to her. She came back to life. And then it says in chapter 5 and verse 42, the same people who minutes earlier were laughing at Jesus, it says, they were exceedingly overcome with amazement. In the original Greek, this is let's just saying their minds were blown totally and completely. What they thought was a foolish act, basically a foolish promise turned into utter astonishment. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 13, as we turn the chapter page, we find that Jesus commissions the 12 disciples. They go out in his name and carry with him with them his power. And we read that they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. In other words, Jesus was extending his healing touch through the apostles. A little later in the same chapter, Mark chapter 6 and verse 55, we read this. The whole neighborhood began to bring sick people on their pallets to any place where they heard he was. Do you get this? People were coming out of the woodwork to try to find Jesus. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and besought him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. This is the ministry of Jesus. And so often we think, oh, you know, we have to learn a lot of philosophy. and We not have to learn a lot of teaching about Jesus. And that's absolutely true. But do you hear? We, we're not even halfway through the Gospel of Mark. And the people who heard Jesus and saw Jesus were astonished. Are we? As we go through this gospel? But let's keep going. Let's turn the page to another chapter, chapter 7. And now there's a, a deaf mute, 
a man who could not hear and could not speak. Jesus, taking him aside, put his fingers into his ears and touched his tongue and looking up to heaven, said to him, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Verse 37, please come with me just for a moment inside verse 37. It says, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the dumb speak. Are we astonished beyond measure when we hear this gospel? Make sure when you share the gospel of Mark with your family and your children that all of you allow this to kind of go back into the situation and allow yourself to be astonished by what Jesus was doing. In Mark chapter 8, I've already mentioned this in our series in the gospel of Mark, but there was a blind man and Jesus touched him once and he asked him how his sight was. And he says, well, I'm seeing, but he says, I see men, but they look like trees walking. That's not what you call 2020 eyesight. So Jesus laid his hands upon his eyes and immediately his sight was restored and saw everything clearly. That was Mark chapter eight. Another healing of the blind in Mark chapter 10 blind Bartimaeus. And Jesus said to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, master, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. Okay, that was 14 out of 15 healings in the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to save number 15 for just a minute here. But I have three or four questions to ask you. And while I'm asking you, I'm going to ask myself and ask everyone who's listening to me to think about this. Have all of these healing miracles ceased since the death of the last apostle? And I realize there are Catholics and Protestants who believe this. Uh, you know, there seems to be a great emphasis here, and yet there are those who say, well, they're, they're, it went on with Jesus, and, you, you know, you read the book of Acts, yes, it went on there with the apostles, just like Jesus, but then that was the end of it. Or there's others that say, well, the miracles were needed in the pagan Roman Empire, because it was such a hostile environment for the gospel to be preached. So at least, say, until the conversion of Constantine in the 300s, uh, miracles went to then, but then you really didn't need them after that. And somebody as great as St. Jerome basically took that position. Or um, Catholic today might say, well, haven't Catholic hospitals made healing miracles uh, unnecessary. And certainly, the, the whole idea of a hospital in the modern world came from Catholics who did want to extend the mercy and healing touch of Jesus to the sick. But, you know, ask yourselves, has, has that eliminated all need for Jesus's healing miracles today? And then the, maybe the hardest uh, question, 
why is there our contemporary lack of emphasis on Jesus's healing ministry? And that's basically what I'm driving at this broadcast. I don't have all the answers. And in fact, I wasn't even going to talk on this, but I just felt that I'd be running away from the gospel because 31% of this gospel is devoted to healings. Now, for those who say all of this uh, is for some other time, some other age, or for it was just for Jesus and the apostles, there's the 15th healing mentioned in Mark. It's not just healing, but healing is talked about. It's Mark 16, the last chapter, verses 17 and 18. And this is what it says. Jesus speaking, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. They drink any deadly thing. It will not hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Uh, basically, it's this 15th healing, in all honesty, which makes me want to ignore the other 14. Because after the 14, Jesus says, not to the apostles, but to those who believe in my name, they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, I know some astute uh, Bible student is going to say, ah, that's part of the long ending to Mark 16. And I don't know if you're aware of all this, but basically the earliest manuscripts we have for the Gospel of Mark are two manuscripts that were found in St. Catherine's Monastery by a biblical scholar by the name of Tischendorf. And Tischendorf was spending the evening in St. Catherine's Monastery, and they were stoking up the fire to warm things up for the night, and they noticed they were going for the insulation in the walls and pulling out these manuscripts and lighting them on fire to get the fire started. And he goes, wait a minute. And they turned out to be the two oldest manuscripts we have for the Gospel of Mark. Now, just from a historical point of view, uh, these manuscripts that Dr. Tischendorf discovered did not have these verses from Mark 16 I just read to you. And so many modern Bible scholars will say, well, they therefore just blow everything off, not just Mark 16, but basically underemphasize everything else in the Gospel of Mark. Well, there's a number of problems with that position. Number one, if the early Christians thought so little of these manuscripts is to use them for insulation and walls, perhaps the reason for their survival is that they weren't worn out in readings in churches, but rather just stuffed in the wall for insulation. So we don't know really how high a value to put on these or how high a value the early church put on these. Other scripture scholars, and I'm basically going at this because this is how you blow off everything in the Gospel of Mark related to healing. They say these weren't from the apostolic period. Okay, I'll agree with that. Just for the sake of argument, I do believe they're apostolic, uh, original to the Gospel of Mark, but I'm just for the sake of agreement saying these weren't original to Mark. If they're added later, what does that say? That says 
that Christians after the apostolic period believed in the continuity of healing. So you have it or you don't have it, one way or the other, you're left staring in the face that those who believe in him will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, if you happen to be a Catholic, the Council of Trent in 1546 meant to answer the Protestant Reformation. Of course, Martin Luther took seven books out of the Old Testament. And so basically the Council of Trent stated that the gospel had to be preached to every creature on earth. That was from the long ending of Mark 16. And it said after that, so I mean, this is the long ending of Mark, which modern scholars want to zip out. If anyone received not as sacred and canonical the said books entire with all their parts as they have been used and read in the Catholic Church and as they are contained in the old Latin Vulgate edition, knowingly and deliberately condemn the traditions aforesaid, let him be anathema. The long ending is in the Vulgate. So these verses are in there. So what are we doing um, kind of ignoring uh, what Jesus did so much of and seems to leave us with a challenge that somehow we'll be continuing his ministry. And so next time, I want us to look at a very concrete example, well into church history, the early Middle Ages, I'd like us to take a visit to the church that St. Augustine pastored. And nobody can say he's a kind of a flaky, Pentecostal, emotionally driven, uneducated, uh, whatever. He's a great, great saint doctor of the church. And I think it'd be well worth a visit to his parish to see what had happened. Because earlier in his life, St. Augustine basically took the position of St. Jerome that basically healings have stopped in the church because they were only necessary while the gospel was being preached in a pagan empire. And my concern is, aren't we living in a pagan empire today? And might we need to listen afresh to the gospel of Jesus Christ? You've been listening to episode 64 of Faith and Family. You can visit us on the web at familylifecenter.net or dads.org. Till next time, this is Steve Wood. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.